Hi everyone. Uh, today is another special episode. I have uh, another guest coming on to discuss his story. There is also um, a YouTube video as well of our whole thing. We are doing this uh, virtually. We're doing this over Zoom because of coronavirus, obviously. So um, we are going to talk as loud as humanly possible when I record with him. Um, but I just can't use the microphone because when I plug in my microphone into my computer, it takes away the sound so I won't be able to hear him. So I need the sound to come out of my computer so I can hear what he's saying, so I can record what he's saying so you don't just hear me. So we're going to talk as loud as possible. Hopefully the sound is okay. Um, all right. So um, now I'm going to kind of get into this. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Hello, everyone that's listening. My name is Eric Light. First of all, I want to say that you are all beautiful human beings who have the same amount of opportunity as everyone else. And before we get started, first, I would just like to thank this wonderful woman for having me on. And one thing I really appreciate about you is the preparation and the thought that you put into this podcast. Out of all the things I've done so far, you're the most organized and most prepared. So <laughs> thank you. But, <laughs> you're welcome. So before we get started, I know you might be having a busy day. You might be going from place to place, wherever you're listening, things get hectic. So let's take a few deep breaths right here. So. Loosen up the shoulders, close those eyes, whatever you got to do. Just keep that back straight. And then let's take a nice big inhale. Let it go nice and slow. Breathe in and out through your mouth. Really feel that breath go in. Ah, feels good. Ah. And one more. All right. Let's do this. All right. So I guess you kind of went over your name. So tell us your age, what you do for work, and then um, tell us all about your story. All right. Well, my age, I just turned 26 in April. So getting close, halfway to 50 about that and what I do for work right now that's a very good question I like many other people have been affected through this COVID situation so right now I am waiting for the second phase in Manitoba to open up before I start venturing back out into that world so a little about I guess what I what I do um, what I did do how I got here, all that fun stuff. So why I am on this podcast today is this wonderful lady asked me to come on and share my story. So I said, why not? So I guess you could say I am a former drug addict, a former childhood trauma survivor who was bullied massively, all that fun stuff. So to go over my story, let's start it from before I was even born. 
And to really understand how that happened and how I got to be here, we need to understand even deeper. So I came from a family that truthfully loved me as best as they could. But I think the one main thing we need to consider here is there's a fine line between attunement and love. You can love someone but not be attuned with them. So in my parents' case growing up, they loved me. But you, you see, the thing is with our parents is sometimes they're dealing with their own demons themselves. And when you fail to see the needs that you have not met inside, you cannot see the needs of people around you, even if they're small children. So both my parents came from very chaotic childhood themselves. My mom was adopted. She went into a household with a alcoholic father who beat her brothers, who was always threatening divorce on her mom, all of those things. So now she is a product of childhood trauma too. And then she meets my dad. So my dad, when he grew up, he moved to Canada when he was five. And why he moved here was because his father actually divorced the mother. Um, he split leaving my dad and mom out to fend for themselves. So they moved up here and my dad didn't have the best relationship with his mother. So she put him in foster care systems. And if you know anything about foster care systems, they're not good for childhood development at all. So now they're running through their lives traumatized. And we have to remember the time they grew up, which was 70s, 80s, Mental health awareness was not where it is today. It was a very old-fashioned approach to it. It was more repress, repress, stuff it down your throat, as Frank Murphy would say from F's, from Ephesus for Family. So they come to meet each other, and their bond is pain. Their bond is absolute pain with a little bit of love. Now they say, hey, let's forget the world together and try out this thing. Let's see if it works. So out pop me. <laughs> So growing up, it was very chaotic. Um, normal conversation in the morning throughout the day was not a peaceful tone. It was kind of like this throughout the day. And that's how things got communicated. So like automatically growing up, it was being, fed, I was being fed chaos from the start. And it was like a free-for-all in my house growing up with myself, my brother, and my parents. It was who could be the loudest to outdo each other. And when things like that happen, like there's not a lot of communication. And it was clear to me that my parents' marriage was, there was something a little off. They didn't communicate like normal people. And that really put me at a major disadvantage going into school. So now I go into school, this neurotic mess, not having social skills, um, scared of being yelled at, scared of speaking up. And the only thing I was taught was repress, kick things under the carpet and go to the extreme to be accepted. So I tried that out in school, didn't work out too well. And now my, from kindergarten until about grade 10, that resulted in being bullied so hard, bullied for my weight. I would have girls come up to me and spit on me before school. I'd be hitting the head over 
I'd be hitting the head with rulers in classrooms. I'd have all these things happen to me. And then my, fr my friend group at the time as well, they are all like any other kid. They make friends with people who they think are similar to them. So they're dysfunctional kids too. I find out all my personal secrets are getting spread around the school. And now my security with my friends is gone. Going to school is frightful. So as that was happening and as I continued through life to about 13 years old, that's when I started really seeing, okay, what mommy and daddy are doing are not right is quite rude. And especially my father, because he didn't have a father figure growing up. He had nothing to reference to. And his moral sense of right or wrong was it's a little off. So I was told to get angry at the world. He would always talk poorly about my mom when she was away. He would talk poorly about my brother when he was away. He would do the same to me when I was away. And it was creating friction, big friction, especially with my brother and me. And I started not wanting to be driven by him anymore because he would yell at homeless people. He would say racist things under his breath towards people of color. And I was like, this, there's something wrong here because like other other parents don't do this. So I started speaking up for myself at 12. And then that resulted into getting smacked. Um, my first fist fight with my father was at 12 years old. And things were just absolutely chaotic from 12 to 16 at home, at school, with friends. So I, as you could probably imagine, needed a way to escape that trauma. I needed a way to say, oh, wow, I finally feel normal. So I have a problem with addictions. I will always have a problem with addictions through the rest of my life. So at 12 years old, I discovered this thing called pornography. I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I eventually moved to stealing. And I became that kid around the school who would steal things for money and sell it to people. Then that got dropped. And then... I just started discovering this thing called working out, exercise, and it gave me a mask to wear. So after grade 10, I started becoming this like fit kid in school, and that gave me a mask to wear, to hide my insecurities behind. So I did that, and that was like my identity, and I just dove straight into it. So after high school camp gums, I'm like, oh yes, out done let's go do this life thing I, I i know everything i'm 18 years old let's do it so i discover working out i discover that i can lose weight and then i lost about 40 pounds after high school but it was not in a healthy way and with that came bulimia it became a very unhealthy addiction to exercise but I was justifying it because I had recognition as this fit person. I had recognition that I didn't have as a kid. So it was fueling that addiction. And it got so bad with that. The day I knew I had a serious problem with that was I was driving into work. I decided to get some Starbucks. I had a cookie. I called them to work saying I can't go to work because I was going to go home and make myself throw up. So on my way home to do that, I spent probably 40 bucks in fast food. I went home, I puked it out. I went back out 
on that day in total, I just dropped about $100 on the food that I puked all out. So that's when I knew I had a serious problem. Then when that happened, I decided, okay, I, I need to get help. So I moved out for a little bit. I moved in with a friend. And then I discovered MDMA. I discovered partying. It was just hopping from one thing to another. And then once MDMA got too much, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she found out uh, it was a very big issue. I promised to drive her home after a music festival. And during that festival, I decided to take 10 MDMA pills and still think it was okay to drive someone home. Not, not a good thing. So after that, MDMA stopped. So this is going till about 20, 20 years old right now. So after that, that stopped and then started smoothing out for a little bit, but I was still riding towards chaos. So at that time, when I was 20 years old, I started hanging around with quote unquote cool kids. I was being accepted. I was on social media. I had girls come up to me the first time. It was this new thing. And that was my next addiction was being seen, which is the most dangerous addiction of them all, because that means you're cutting you're you're taking shortcuts to appease an image so that went on then come 22 years old i start working in restaurants i start working with people who are equally as frustrated with themselves who have equal amount of problems and like most restaurants and bars you go party after and when you go party after there is this substance called cocaine that is passed around like it is a healthy snack at a luncheon so I dove straight into that straight into that I was being accepted I had these things going for me and all of it was a result of not paying attention towards the trauma that was dealt with so now I'm 22 it's like casual for that year then 23 and 24 it's a free-for-all Within two years, from 23 to almost 25, I dropped a good $50,000 on cocaine, on alcohol, all of these things. Yeah, so it's quite, it's quite remarkable, to be honest. So now while these things are going on, I'm trying to be this popular guy. I have my own business ventures going on, and these are really just a method to, to try and show the world a lie that I'm putting on when they didn't know the real issue. So now I'm going through interviews, I'm preaching about mental health, I'm preaching about all these things. And the truth was, I couldn't be any more from a hoax. I was actively using at the time. So that turned out great. So come February, 2019, 24 years old I just launched my first project I was working with people who were not the best partners it was a very tedious process I lost a lot of money it took a lot of energy out of me and that's when things were like at its peak so everything that went on by this time I'm like suicidal now I'm drinking mouthwash it was just so insane so after that event happened i just go on a 
week long $2,000 cocaine vendor. I'm like doing it almost every day. And then by that time, my body's, it, it's given out and on me without me noticing. So the last night where like my life changed significantly was February 28th, 2019. Started off like every other night, went into a bar, drank, found drugs. As the night went on, found more drugs, decided to pick up homeless people to do drugs with them because I was just so alone. Then I am driving around with homeless people in my vehicle looking for more drugs. I give them money and say, find me anything. So we go looking for meth. And thank God we did not find any because I would not be here right now. There is absolutely no doubt. So after I say goodbye to that person, I go pick up more cocaine. So I'm about like five grams deep in 24 hours. And come six o'clock or whatever in the evening, my heartbeat jumps significantly. My vision is now going in and out, in and out, in and out. And it was the most terrifying experience of my life because that's where I found out we are so fragile and death is a real thing. So I was faced with a decision. Do I do one more line that's on my bed and call it a life? Or do I call an ambulance and hope to God I make it through this thing? So at this point, I'm living back home. and. As the ambulance is on its way, I walk downstairs and I tell my mom, tell my dad, I might die. There's an ambulance coming on its way. And that, that's how that night went. So made it through. My resting heart rate when the ambulance picked me up was 147 beats per minute. 147, that's like a hit exercise, but that was my resting heart rate. So made it through and then February to October of 2019. The drug stopped. The drug stopped. Uh, There's one relapse within that time frame. And the issue, I was still having an addiction of being seen. The drug stopped, but the people around me were the same. The lifestyle was the same. And I didn't care to slow down. So I went through that, burning myself out, being around other people just to be seen because I was getting this instant gratification. I was going on tour. I just signed a um, label, I signed a record deal with a major hip hop producer for a client that I was dealing with. I was getting put on the news. Like it was all these things and they were just feeding they're feeding the behavior. Then come, then come October, and I just had a meltdown. That's when I said enough, and that is how I am here today. Took October from 2019 till now to absolutely change everything I believe to be true and kind of become this person that's here today. So. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and speaking on what you said that you wanted to be seen, I feel like that that's such a normal thing for everyone. Like we all want to fit in. It's true. Like we all want 
to have friends. We want people to like us. And that's such a, that's such a struggle some, sometimes. And we all, even if it's, you're someone that people typically like, you're still dealing with the fact that, oh, but the odd person doesn't. And you just want everyone to like, see you, see your potential, see what you have to offer. And then it, it makes you feel good when people like you, when you have all these friends. Like I know when I was little, I wanted tons and tons of friends. Cause I was like, Oh, like, look at me. I have so many friends, but like, realistically, we don't think about um, how it's the quality that we need to look for, not the quantity yes. around us. So the last couple of years I've had probably about four or five friends, not many. And you know what? It's the quality that matters in those, uh, in yes. those friend groups. It's also like less toxic in a sense. It's a better environment when you're not surrounded by like 30 friends. It's almost better that your group, that your close group anyway is small because you can have like acquaintances here and there, the odd friend. But when you're talking about best friends, you don't want like a huge group. Like, But when we were younger, we wanted everyone to be our best friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and like that needs to be seen that need to have that many friends is we're really just trying to fill a void that's been created with us due to whatever issues going on, especially post high school with a lot of us is, you know, if we're bullied, if something didn't go in our way, like right away, we're at a disadvantage because now we have a more than active need to go fill that through many different friends that it's essentially an addiction within itself. It's just an easy, justifiable addiction, but it's counterproductive. Um, like I've been through four or five friend groups in the past eight years of my life. It's constantly been flipping things. And like, I couldn't agree more on the quality of friends because I, I forget the study, but you are a representation of the five closest people that you have around you. Now, if you have, 30, 20 people around you and you don't really know them that well and you're just trying to pick up on their habits or activities, like how do you know who you are? Where is that stability? And how does that transpire towards you fulfilling your needs? It just creates confusion. Yeah, no, no, I, I, def I definitely agree with that. And it's nice that, you know, as people get older, um, eventually I think they start to realize that I think most most of us um, have um, if only we would understand it when we were younger but I mean it is what it is when we're young we think we know everything but we really just know nothing mm -hmm. until we go through some life experiences um, yeah so I guess I mean you kind of answered this in a, in, in a sense you said since um, October till now um, you've been doing a lot better so kind of go into more detail with that like how are you really how have you been doing really since that i guess uh, big event i know you said that you still struggled a little bit uh, up until o october so how would you say october to now has been like what things have you done how have you been feeling mood wise like how are things different in a sense in all aspects of your life like relationship with your family your friends uh, partner uh, work any of that like how has all that changed since October? Um, that's a great question, and thank you for asking me that. That's a, so there's a few things. So come October, I let go, uh, I walked away from everything. I walked away from friend groups. 
I walked away from people that I thought were mentors that were actually toxic for me. I let go of two ventures and I gave myself permission to slow down. I said, it's okay to not know what is going on right now. It's okay to do that. So prior to October, I was like still working at it a little bit. I was learn learn what meditation is. I learned the benefits of that. I really started reading and writing every day, but my intentions were with it weren't really, they were scattered. I didn't know what I was getting out of it. So come October, I burnt out and I said, I'm just gonna work right now and I'm gonna devote my core being to self-improvement and walk through the fire. I knew there was uh, I knew there was issues that would never be resolved if I didn't actually take action because like that's what understanding an issue is. It's not it's not acknowledgement. It's understanding it, and when you understand it, that entails you wearing that burden on your chest and going forward. So October, I decided to check in with uh, NA meetings, see what that's about. Um, decided to get in touch with my spiritual side a lot more and really start taking initiative on my just my overall health my approach to things um i was not the person who i wanted to be during that time and there were just a lot of changes needed to be done so i guess this answer your question of like what i've done since then is i've embraced constructive criticism to a t i've ripped off all the band-aids so went to na Try that out. It has its place for some people. Um, if for me, I kind of felt like there was no hope after those meetings. And as good as I got that foundation, I got that support, I got that comfort that we all need, like it's gonna be okay. But I wanted to go further. Um, I have high standards for myself, I always have. So after that, I decided I'm going to walk into therapy and just get, get it over with. Right. So I was fortunate to, to already have a lot of self-awareness leading up to those things. Like, um, just how I approach my day changed night and day. So instead of sleeping in an hour before work starts, rushing, getting ready, going there and not giving yourself time to think, coming home, watching TV, like I said, like, no, that's not how you heal. So um, meditation and reading have probably been the two biggest things that I owe a lot. I, I owe a lot to because you need that outside information. You need other perspectives to really stimulate your mind because the thing about over, overcoming any issue is you need to have humility. Like I needed to check myself and say, Everything I know to be true is actually so full of shit because it's not it's not working for me and I can't act like it's working for me anymore. So I had to rip off layers. I had to rip off more layers, more layers, and more layers. So with I know we don't have control over our outside world, no matter how much we think we do. So AI I'd let go of that. I had to stop trying to control things. I had to stop blaming people for how I felt uh and I think the biggest thing for me was taking ownership of every single aspect in my life so with that 
comes accountability. You need to take ownership with yourself. You need to have a little bit of compassion as well. So like what that means is life's not going the way you want. It's not, oh, you must suck. That's not taking ownership. That's just a negative thought. It's okay. There's something that you are doing that is repeating a cycle and it keeps bringing you the same people, the same occurrences. So I knew that the subconscious needed to be tapped into significantly. So when I went through therapy, I'm so fortunate for this woman. I was looking for a label in therapy to essentially justify my behavior and she did not give it to me. And that allowed me to look at something deeper and really tap into the root of things. So my biggest issue was that I just thought I was not worthy my entire life. Like when, and it doesn't matter if your parents say you're great, it's through their actions where you decide your worth in life. It's through people's actions that you decide how you are. So God, I'm at 20 years of being told physically, verbally that you're a piece of shit that has a pretty significant impact on your life, right? So that's something that I really had to deal with. And in therapy, like it wasn't the only issue was you think you're unworthy. So my issue was that anytime I got something, I guess, great from a material, from a materialistic sense on the outside perspective, whether it was good relationships, whether it was, um, good job security, whether anything of that realm, I self-destructed. I started ripping it down because that went against my internal narrative. That went against the ego. That went against my whatever you want to call it. That went against it. And my ego is saying, nope, here's the wall. Can't get past me. So I had to do a lot of inner child work and go back with that and ask my child, Okay, like what do you need? What is unmet needs that I can give you so we can start working together? And it was a terrifying thing because that inner child, like he acts out all the time. And I lost touch with that inner child probably at six years old. So it's like good 20, almost 20 years of being disconnected with myself. So I had to get in touch with myself. I'd ask myself, what would you be upset about that I stopped doing? What would you be upset about in every aspect of life? So I had to reconnect with myself and ask, hey, like, what actually means the most to me in life? What, what do I want out of this thing? Like, what's my why? And like, love is the best thing that we have to our side because I, I realized that if I can choose that every single day within myself, everything unfolds. So. Like that's where the power of affirmations come in, reading those every day, getting up and reading those. And when those negative thoughts come in throughout the day, it's pausing, it's saying, okay, this person said this and I feel like this now. So it's I started dissecting that like meticulously. So um, like we talked a little bit earlier, I had a complex of older men due to my fathers so any older gentleman in an authoritarian in a figure that had power i automatically resented and i would blame it on them over and over again then i said you know what 
that's probably not accurate. And if I'm blaming it on every single person, is it really that person or is it me? I was like, yeah, it's me. It's me. So I had to unpackage that and say, well, he says this and I associate it with my father because I have not yet dealt with my shit. So it's time for me to deal with my shit and actually see where that person's actually coming from, looking at it in a new way. And just taking that ownership perspective is like, it's changed my life completely. It's allowed freedom like I've never seen before. So when I've been going through this journey, I've really found out what I love. I found my boundaries of what I will and will not accept. So from October to, I want to say February, I really had one close friend that was there through it. And it was super lonely, but I knew I needed to build myself back up. And I needed to really have my boundaries set in place and my sense of identity of who I am so I can start making friends that actually support my growth of this human being and that hold me to a higher standard that aren't yes men, that don't condone bad habits because they want to feel better about themselves too. So it's just been this transition and with all these things, with this newfound philosophy for life, like there's now new friends that are all within the same realm of self-improvement. They're stable, they're supportive. Uh, my relationship with my parents has never been better. Um, I chose to forgive, like we talked about too, is ownership and forgiveness. And those two combined are great. So if you can own yourself, and if you can have that compassion towards yourself and say you're not broken, things did not happen to you because you're a fucked up kid, you don't have choices of what happens to you as a kid. You're a kid. These things didn't happen to me because I'm broken. These things happened to me because X, Y, Z of that person led up to that because whatever events. So I said, I'm going to forgive that. I'm going to forgive myself. And like I talk a lot about my father and my parents here, but this is where it takes a turn. I learned to forgive that. I said, I'm no longer going to hold things over your head because that makes me a victim. And if I have that victim mentality, I will never heal. I will be stuck in there. I will make excuses for myself of why I can't do something. And I don't believe in locking yourself in a prison. There's a whole life to explore. So now I start really putting my voice out there on social media and that on February, that's when I start easing myself back into the social world because there's a lot of things I'd like to share with people on what to value, what not to value. Because there's one thing I've become a master at of my life is learning how to fail. And that itself is the best skill that you can learn because if you learn how to fail, you learn how to win. So after that, I get connected with um, this person that is now my girlfriend who is the absolute love of my life, the one I'm going to marry without a doubt, who's just been so grateful for me. And that was a result of working on myself every day and taking these philosophies. Now relationships with my parents are better. There's thank yous with my mom my dad everything's just been flowing so beautifully now it brings me new friends it brings me new business opportunities i have a belief in myself i have a confidence in myself again and everything just flows together and it's so beautiful and that's initially been the change before i would take no ownership i would just dive in 
I would want to be seen for things that weren't truthful to me. Now it's a very conscious awareness of, okay, why do I want to do this? What is my truthful intention? Do I want to be seen? Or is this actually feeling me? Does this actually line up with my why, which is to serve people? If it does not line up with that, and if it is for an egoic reason, it will not be a thing. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's almost like people say, like, if you're a negative person, you attract a lot of negative and toxic things. And you know what, in a sense that that is very, very true. You, you kind of attract what you put out into the world. So if you're, you know, now doing better, you're putting out all this positivity and you're all about, you know, taking ownership and all that sort of stuff. And you have really worked on yourself, then you're only going to attract nice things and in your case you know that's very true look at everything that has changed you found a wonderful partner you have wonderful friends work is going good you're doing good you have a good relationship with your family when before it was very up and down so i mean like everything just completely changed it's been like a total 360 since mm -hmm. you kind of turned things around so you are definitely you know what you're putting out into the world which is some good things is bringing you good things as well yeah and and like it's not about the words that you put out there either the words are simply just a nice little umbrella for you to stand under it's your it's your repeated actions that really bring you that abundance and it's about what you do with behind closed doors is the biggest dictator of that how do you take care of yourself behind closed doors do you write do you eat healthy do you look after yourself are you writing down these negative thoughts? Are you taking ownership? Are you incorporating discipline in your life? Because if you're doing those things, that's going to deter so many negative things around you. People will not even go close to you. And you might get confused because those people that once gravitated towards you no longer want anything to do with you. And that's not a sign of you. That's a sign of your growth. That's a sign of you saying, I'm growing. And especially in that predicament, like those people still have a mask on. You took yours off. You took yours off and they just don't have the courage to take theirs off. So they walk away or they lash out on you. So I took it off and it's just great. It's absolutely beautiful. And I've, <laughs> I forget the I forgot the question or the point yeah. that was going on, but that's where I am with that. Yeah, yeah, no, d definitely. And I mean, we all kind of put on a mask at some point and maybe every once in a while we still will. And we were already talking about how it's, you know, change takes time. It's not overnight. And it's not like you woke up one day and you're like, wow, I'm a new person. Like that is not, absolutely not how it works. You have to work on it for several years. And even then you have to keep working on it because realistically you're never gonna be a hundred percent the odd day maybe you might feel like you're at a hundred percent but realistically like life throws all these things at you your mood's gonna change all mm -hmm. the time depending on what things are thrown at you and on what stress you have and the, everything so it's kind of like you have to spend your whole life kind of working on yourself and, yeah, that, and, and you said meditation and reading, right? And, and you went to therapy as well. Like different and different things work for everyone, right? It's all different. It's all different stuff. Like I have, I have my own stuff too that I found has been um, 
very beneficial like for reading for example like what kinds what kinds of things do you do you typically read that help oh boy <laughs> so <laughs> when i first started reading it i just needed to learn how to look at the world in a better way so i don't read any fiction i like things that stimulate my mind that keep my mind sharp that i can learn from so oh man right now it's so it's been spirit spirituality from like assorted religions um those serve a purpose because you start to learn that you start to learn the balance of chaos and order you start to learn that all these things are necessary you learn what love and acceptance really is then i started transgressing to just like relationships how to interact with people so anything that educates you on how to better get on how to get the most of that person in front of you whether it's dating books anything like that super interesting to me um biology books psychology books philosophy books like i'm an absolute nerd for any of those things because it's so fascinating just anything that can challenge how i look at the world and make me ask better questions about myself is what i will read so anything like i have a few so like this is like the extreme ownership book is where like that's where i learned what ownership means so without a doubt very good book um you know the anti-mental illness number one book of all oh, like this is a biology book so it's like a nutrition book but mix of psychology tell like it's informing you that hey mental health is actually a product of what you do what you put in your body what toxins you surround yourself with like all these things and it makes you feel so empowered and any like old-fashioned philosophy is super interesting too mm -hmm. just how to look at yourself and be indifferent teaching you how to be indifferent so many things like reading is power reading is absolute power mm -hmm. that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Those actually, those look like some really good books. I haven't, I haven't read those, but actually that book that you bring up, um, the biology book mixed with psychology as well. It's funny because I'm actually working on a project right now and it's about how exercise, nutrition and sleep affects your mental health. So that's actually my, the topic I got for my project. So I'm actually working on that sort of stuff. So it's like, maybe that book could be helpful. I don't know if we can use books as references, but that would probably be a very good one to use that's for sure yeah so we won't go too far into this because we'll stay on topic um like daniel amen who wrote that book he's a leading psych um psychiatrist in america it was like 30 years of experience if for those of you hearing or listening to this um i definitely recommend reading this um how he approaches his patients is he scans their brain first then makes diagnosis and he has 11 steps that he goes through to check out different things but the moral of this story is that his 30 years of extensive research and he shows that mental health is actually brain health because we get us we get confused with physical health and mental health you think they're different things they're the exact same thing your brain is connected to your um it's, it's connected to your stomach it's in test it like they, your stomach has neurons that send up to your brain if something's not working out for you. So it just teaches you how to be truthful to what you put in your body and, and the effects on it. And 
I think we need to start being truthful too that like we can't start off so gung-ho aggressive about everything with our mental health with our physical health like we need to ease into it big time like if you stopped one thing you're still doing other things like celebrate you stop doing that one thing because that's massive learn how to pat yourself on the back but let's understand life is about forward progression and like you said you need to keep working on it for the rest of your life like human beings got together and put and we live in large groups because we're the most in genetically inferior being on this planet that's why we need guns that's why we need x amount of shelter all these things because we're fragile as hell and we need to accept that we need to accept that the moment that you stop working on your brain and saying it's good is when things go to shit it's when things start triggering you and it's never ending work and it's that that work should be fun like let's learn what that that work is so much fun you get to learn things about yourself when you learn things about yourself you and like you unlock the world around you you see things differently and that's so fucking beautiful and powerful yeah no it it it, it really is and um i knew we were talking about you mentioned before how you switched a bunch of different friend groups and there was kind of a lot going on. So, and then when we talked kind of just separately, me and you, you were saying how you have burned a lot of bridges. And that is a term that I have heard, you know, for a lot of people, I have also burnt some bridges. Um, a lot of people that go through their own struggles, their own, you know, demons tend to burn some bridges. So how are you kind of rebuilding your image not just to other people but like to yourself like how you view yourself as well so kind of both how are you kind of rebuilding that um well in order to repair anything that's worth repairing and things around you like you need to repair the image with yourself and that was that's like still to my day the biggest challenge i face i think we all face is how to restructure that image so before I looked in the mirror and I just knew it was, it wasn't right. I knew I was troubled. I had so many negative voices in my head telling me what I'm not worth. I, whether I liked to admit it or not, I measured myself up to people that didn't achieve much. I let their voices become my voice, which is chaotic in itself and all of these things. And it was super frustrating for me because I knew I had it in me to achieve a lot more things out there. And I had, especially in that addiction phase, I had so many people pull me to the side because they'd hear me talk and they'd hear how intricate I would be. They'd say like, what are you doing, man? Like, you could be doing so much better. And like one night, for example, it was after work, uh, someone who's a regular, um, this like emergency plastic, um, surgeon brought me to his house to have me talk to me about this. I never met the guy in my life, but he just sat me down. And he broke me down. I almost cried in tears because it was so true. But the thing is, I could never believe it because I thought I thought it wasn't true. I would deny those things so much, and it would just cause me to use more. So what I had to do come October is start to accept that, like. I'm an equal. Human beings are made out of the same biological matter as everyone. Whether you're in a wheelchair, 
whether you're in a third world country, we all are made of the same matter. We all have brains that work for different reasons and everyone's so different. And that's a beautiful thing. And I needed to accept that and say like, look, shit happens to me and I need to accept in my adult life, it happened to me because of me, but that's okay. That's okay because now I can learn from it. Now I can take what I learned and start applying it. And that was super exciting for me. And so I started the work of any negative thought I told myself. I had to rip it off. I had to say nope. And I had to keep driving myself forward. So like that was a process within itself. Like that's where therapy comes in. That's where you need someone to say like, you're not broken. And even my therapist would listen to me talk and she'd be like, I hope you know, I'm learning more from you than you are from me. And just hearing those things, like that even caused a breakdown too. Cause I'm not used to those things. And like, it makes me so teary talking about that right now. Cause it's such a sensitive part to me. So how I had to reframe myself is first, again, it's ownership and ownership and humility. You'll hear me talk about so many things. It's saying I was wrong and I've been wrong so many times in my life, but now I can start to learn and apply this. And now I can start to grow and understand I'm a growing human being that has so much love in myself. Now it's all love. And like how I build that up is just, you know, you need to write things down every day and you need to tell yourself these things, whether you think it works or not, it works because it's going in your mind. Once you put it in your mind every single day and you yell it, not just like an example is one of them. My first one is I'm worthy of love. I don't just say it. I'm worthy of love. I say it like I am worthy of love. I make myself feel that stuff. And that goes so far. So now I'm able to repair bridges and present myself in a different way because I found my purpose. I found the love within me. And I start letting that pour out. And I'm the first one to admit when I'm wrong. I don't lash out on anyone. I accept ownership. Even if it hypothetically is not my fault, I will still look at myself and say, what did I, could I have done differently to prevent that? Because that means I'm always learning. And people see that humility in me. They see that vulnerability. And it's just raw. Like that's, that's what everyone should have as a human being. And going forward, that's my focal point. I will never talk about anything that I'm not anymore. I will not act like I'm some hot shit music manager, some big, big shot festival promoter, anything like that, because it doesn't serve me. It never taught me any good habits. Now it's all about talking about what I learned from my mistakes and understanding that like our job as a human being is to contribute and take what we learn and push this world forward. And that is just where I bring myself now presenting back to the world because I burned bridges because I thought I was all that. I had people who took me in with um, like one festival, for example, I had zero experience doing anything of that magnitude. And the person, the owner of it, I blew up his phone every day. I wanted it. He saw something in me, but as the addiction grew, like I just burned those bridges so much. and we're on very good terms now we're friends now but like i can never go back to that and that hurts so much but i need to learn from that same thing you know with my mom 
Um, like the hardest thing about addiction is seeing the people you hurt. And like my mom suffered so much and I couldn't realize it. So now with my mom, it's humility. With anyone that I wrong, it's humility. And biggest difference now is I catch that within five minutes. If I fuck up, if I do something wrong that upsets someone, I don't blame them. I don't justify myself. I own it. I say, you know what? That was right. Of That was wrong of me. I did not think. And you said, you saying that triggered insecurity and mean that I was not aware of, but now I am aware of it and I also working on it. Yeah. So you have some very like good insights on things and you always kind of refer back to yourself, which is something that I, you know, I, I admire and I like, cause you know, a lot of people, it's fine that they're like, Oh, thanks to my therapist, thanks to this, thanks to that. And while you're definitely thankful for all of these things, I think that what comes across the most is that you're most thankful for yourself. You're always referring back to yourself and you're like, I did this, I did that. I will continue to do this. Um, I'm going to, you know, work on myself, always try to be my best self. And like you, you, you always refer back to yourself. You place such a huge importance on yourself. And I think that's what a lot of people need to do, especially people that have struggled as well. I mean, everyone needs to, but even people that have struggled, I think the most important thing is just to like, keep yourself really in mind. Cause we always grow up thinking that like being selfish is a bad thing. And to some extent it can be depending on the situation, but a lot of the time it is good to be selfish. I know like for me, I used to always worry about like everyone else do things for everyone. I never focused on myself. I never did the whole self-care thing, nothing. It was all like, what can I do to help these people? I'm all about them. I'm always going to be there. I'll rush for you, whatever. And it's like, I never sat down and I'm like, what am I doing for me? How is this benefiting me? And it's like, don't I need to take, like, I'm stressed too. Like, why don't I like rush for myself? Like, why don't I go do this? Why don't I go have a bubble bath? Why don't I do a face mask? Like, whatever. Like, why am I always trying to help other people? Which is great. It's a good thing that you like helping other people, of course. Good trait. But like, what are you doing to help yourself? You're helping other people, but yet you're sitting here not making any progress with yourself. And it's like, how are you going to get anywhere if you're not helping yourself. So to some extent, it is very good to be selfish. And that's mm -hmm. how you're going to progress as a person by being selfish. Sometimes you need to do it sometimes. Yeah. And um, like, just to kind of refrain, like, I think the biggest mistake we make as human beings on everyday basis is we give our power away to something to make us feel something. We give our power away to that person to dictate how we feel. We give away our power to that drug, that object. You got to give that power to yourself and that needs to stay in here. And why that I place so much importance on empowering yourself and taking care of yourself is my number one mission in this world is to take what I learned and just to spread it. It's to heal. It's to bring to get people together. It's to help people unlock their inner selves. It's to strip off those layers and I cannot do that truthfully or successfully if I don't take care of myself. Being the best person possible for other people means I am taking care of myself. If I'm taking care of my body, my mind, through education, through eating, right, through exercise, I can now show up and be the best person possible for my partner, for my parents, for my workplace. And you cannot be that best person possible 
if you're not doing anything for yourself, are you really helping or are you just enabling? Like it's, and why we do that is Jordan Peterson puts it quite beautifully is we're more inclined to help other people because we value ourselves lesser than the people around us. We value ourselves as dirty, as unclean. And we do that because we know all of our intricacies. We know why we think this, we know all of our vulnerabilities and we assume everyone else knows that. So it prevents us from taking action. That's not the truth. You are perfectly fine. And it just goes back to like, it goes back to looking after yourself so you can take care of other people properly. Because if you're indulging in certain habits, um, I don't mean to knock on your profession or your field of realm, but I've had a few people that I had intimate relationships, intimate relationships with. Um, most uh, particularly, my uh, previous girlfriend. Hopefully, she doesn't see this, but um, anyways, um, is they take no self care in themselves, and away from that school, they're bashing therapy. They repress their feelings. They have a very negative worldview. They think the less of people. How can you walk into a profession or towards other people and truthfully help someone? You can only help someone as much as you're willing to help yourself. And God damn it, I will stop at nothing to help myself the most I can so I can help other people to my best ability. Yeah. And, and that's, you, I mean, you need to have that, that helping nature to get into, um, any profession in psychology, but as well with that, you, if you haven't done any work on yourself, even if you haven't struggled that much, it doesn't matter if you're not putting any work into yourself and you're not trying to mature, you can't take accountability for anything. It, 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 it is the wrong profession because you need basically the things that you expect your clients to do. You should have done. And you should continue to do because then it's kind of like you're a hypocrite in a sense. So it's like, yeah, you want to help people do this, this and that. But have you done that yourself? If you haven't, then, you know, why do you expect your clients to believe yeah. you, right? It, they believe you. Obviously, they don't know your story. You're not there to talk about you. But like the way you speak and they'll see it in the way that you speak and the way you approach things, they can tell if you've actually done the work yourself or not, they can tell if you're very passionate about what you do because you have done the things that you're expecting them to do. Right. So they'll, yeah. they'll see that. Like I have, I have put in so much work over the years and still do all the time. I'm all about that. I'm all about taking care of myself. And you know, a couple of years ago, that wasn't a thing, but I'm glad that that became a thing because not only did I always have the mentality of wanting to help others, I also now have that, like, I put in that work. I have gone through the therapy process. I understand it. So I've gone through all of that to a point where now I'm like, okay, so now when I speak to my clients and I'm expecting them to do all of this to get better, I know that I have done the same and that it's worked for me. So that almost gives me hope that like, if they do these things, if they apply the same things I did, then maybe, you know what, they can get they they will get better because you can you just have to put in the work so it's like if i did it and they believe it and they know it themselves they'll probably yeah. look where she is now look what she's doing and now she's helping me let me do the same mm -hmm. and like that's it's just so important to do that um like not even in psychology but in so many professions like 
that dictates how that person's going to heal. And like, you are now responsible for that person to achieve through actions and you can set them up for success or failure. Um, like with my therapist, like bless her soul. I was, I was looking for a prescription, something to cure it, not even, not even to cure it, to suppress it. And she didn't give it to me because she's done the work. She's went through healing processes herself. She looked at me and said, no way. I already see right through you and I know what you need. And like that, that's a whole nother conversation of the serious pandemic that's, we have psychiatrists doing of recommending um, the antidepressant medication, which is the number one subscribed drug in America right now. So that's a huge issue within itself. And that goes to show that we need a long ways to go. And we need to really relook at certain professions, whether it's teaching, whether it's psychiatry, whether it's doctors. Um, and definitely there's a lot of personal trainers or trainers out there. Like you don't need a degree or certificate to do most of these things. And it's so, it's a very vulnerable thing, especially when you're dealing with like young kids, especially in like that health and fitness industry. And they're seeing you and they're seeing this image, but they don't know what goes behind it. Yeah. And because that person they're seeing is going through the same shit, they condone certain activities to appease that image. Like it's a very toxic thing. And like where I'm going with my life is life coaching and training and doing spiritual retreats. And I've already learned firsthand with my previous adventure that was called the remedy for mental health is I learned firsthand that not only can you not help people if you're not helping yourself, it creates so much pain, it creates a massive void. Like you would not believe going on camera, preaching about things and knowing you don't have the strength to do it yourself. And it's, you just start creating this big lie. Now you have this big burden on your shoulders as well. And that's going to create a big void within yourself. And like that's a creates a downward spiral within itself. Yeah, definitely. And I'm actually just talking about the therapy. I'm actually going to, um, in the description, add a few links uh, because uh, with doing my, uh, my group project, looking for mental health resources, I've actually come across some places where they will treat you, no, like they'll give you therapy no matter what, um, even if you have um, troubles financially, there are some places that as low as $13 will give you a therapy session. There are um, some places like that actually around here in Winnipeg that we do not know about because we always assume therapy is over $100. Most of the time it is, but there are a few places here that uh, do it based on your financial situation, which I yeah. think would be helpful, especially for us young people, the young people that are working part-time or the full-time people that are on, living on their own and all their money goes to their bills. So I'm going to actually add some of those links in the description um, for anybody that wants, because you can get therapy like for like $13. And I think that's a mm -hmm. huge thing. Like I didn't even, I knew there was one place that did that, but I, I didn't know there was more than one. I think I found at least three that actually, yeah. so I'm going to, I'm going to definitely add those. Um, so everyone just watch out for those. And I know, I know some information on, on one of them, um, but I can, I can attach more information um, on that as well. Um, yeah, well, this is a different kind of off, I mean, it's not really off topic because we were talking about the partying and all that sort of stuff. So I'm kind of wondering like, 
do you think that, you know, party culture in a sense glorifies like alcohol and drug use? And I know we kind of talked a little bit about that, but for everyone, obviously that wasn't part of that conversation. What do you think about party culture? And um, yeah, do you think it, you know, glorifies this in a sense? Because when we talk about, you know, we already spoke about this, that when people go clubbing and stuff like that, it's almost like, there's a huge emphasis on doing those things to have fun instead of the emphasis on the having fun. So what do you think? Mm-hmm. About that? Um, like, do I, I don't know if it's gl- essentially glorifying. Um, I don't know if it's glorifying because that's how they make their money. So I think it's a, it's a simple advertisement. Um, but you know, alcohol companies like that, they have a lot of money to throw on things. People will take that. So we have a long ways to go towards filtering out what the media puts into us as far as bouncing between alcohol versus mental health things versus that. But um, if you're a young person, it's uh, like these drink specials that are $3 shots and all of that. Like, um, I won't name one club in here, but absolutely. Like, there's promoters who I was around it. I seen it. That's how you get accepted is by going in, by making a fool of yourself, by drinking, by buying the bottles. And people don't want to speak up about it because it's a something that's swept so far under that carpet. And there's, like... It's a, it's a continuous cycle, unfortunately. So I think that like we can always blame that for sure. But the truth is blaming and attacking them. I don't know if that is a route that we can take because, again, that gives them power. And that says that we don't have the power to make our own decisions. So any person that came from a stable house, stable background, all of these things, like they will know that right or wrong. And, it, and it, it's statistically proven too, for the people who had that security growing up, who had that, like, they're not gonna, they're, they're not gonna seek that, right? But with how things are going now, just because we're, we're really learning how to live as a society, our parents are really learning how to parent, we're starting to come aware of our actions on our kids. Like there's a lot of kids out there, especially with social media that are vulnerable. And like, there's a lot of influencers out there or YouTubers that literally make their money doing extreme drinking challenges through debauchery, like the chive or like there's promoters in this city that that's, you want to get the most retweets tweet about how you did something stupid drunk. So we just need to better educate. And I think club staff should always be more aware of what someone can or cannot have. Granted, that's a very hard thing to track, but that's gonna be there until we are no longer on this earth. Like that's just the fact. That's where money comes in. That's where people are feel themselves. It has its place. It's a necessary evil for sure, 
but we just need to do a better job of educating younger and educating parents and understanding that you don't need to do those extremes to feel accepted. So it's a bit of both. Like it's, we, it's always our job as individual to self empower and educate and be aware of our triggers. But that's sometimes hard because when you go to a club, you're 18, like you're, you're going to find people that are just like you that are looking to get away. And that's what that club scene is to a T. It's people living behind a mask and encouraging other people to do so. So if you're struggling with anxiety and that, if you're struggling with self-acceptance, going to the club's not where you're going to find any of that. You're going to find a shallow form of it. Then when you realize one day that, wow, I'm so miserable, all that's going to go away because you truly found your value. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's very true. It's all about, it's definitely, it's, it's a bit of both, but you know, it, it doesn't help to be like, oh, it's because of the clubs, you know, and we can't think about it that way. You know, that's the, like the kind of entertainment industry in a sense. It's just, it's, you know, it's just how it is. They have music and obviously they're going to have alcohol. It's not going to attract as many people if you just offer like pop. It's just kind of like the way it is. And these, these clubs and clubs have been around for forever. So, you know, it's totally, it's, it's definitely not, not on them. And that's just how the, the industry is, which is fine. And sometimes, you know, if you want to get drunk one night, I mean, you get drunk one night. It's not like um, you go out one night and all of a sudden you're, no one's saying that you're going to be um, pounding back drinks every single day just because you go have a night out every once in a while. That's not, you know, what we're saying here. And I, I, I would say, you know, definitely clubs don't encourage that. They don't, you know, they don't say, oh, keep drinking every day. You know, they don't, they don't kind of encourage yeah. sort of behavior. It's just like on a weekend thing, you know, maybe every once in a while, the option is there for you to let loose, have fun, forget about your worries, have a night out with your friends, however it is. But it definitely all comes down to education on yeah. what you need to educate yourself on the topics. And yeah, like you said, if you have a little more stability when you're younger, usually you already know what's right and what's wrong. Some people unfortunately um, don't have that. So they have to, uh, try to find resources and educate themselves or maybe they will have friends who had the stability and can hopefully educate them on that topic so yeah everything really comes down to education all of it everything in your mm -hmm. life you're working on yourself and all that and so about like your mental health journey I want to call it a journey because it definitely has not ended and it's just going to keep kind of progressing as is uh what would you say made you want to openly speak about your um, mental health journey? Um, I touched on it earlier, but our, like I said, our job as human being is to push this world forward. That is how this world has came to be. It is through people sharing their stories. It's through educating people. It's through when we make mistakes, we're learning about that. So no one else can suffer and it would just it would be so selfish of me not to take everything i've learned to just hold it in like there's so many things that people can value from this and like love drives us and 
I don't know. I'm very driven by other people in service. Like that, that means the most to me. How can I serve someone? And when I started realizing that these things happened to me for a reason, not because I was broken and because through the people I've associated with, um, who've been really that foot in the door saying like, yeah, man, like you, you should do this. You should go for it. It's like, it's been very encouraging for me. I just know that there's at least one person that I can inspire and maybe that person can go do something. So it, it's just about helping other people. There's really no complexity to it. Like my role is to just like, we're all small specks in this world, no matter how big we think we are. If we can accept that, if we can humble ourselves and understand that in order for this world to work, we need all those little specks to work together it's very empowering because we learn our place in the world we learn our place in our life and now we can be more happy knowing our place and knowing the significance of who we are as humans like this world wouldn't exist if people didn't share their stories if they didn't have stories to tell if they didn't push this world forward and yeah. that like that's what it's all about is just pushing this world forward and helping other people yeah and it's a chain and it's and it's definitely a chain reaction maybe maybe you'll have an impact on one person but even then that one person could impact somebody else from the impact that they had from you know listening to somebody and it, it's you know it's not about reaching everyone necessarily but one person makes all the difference in the world and even one person that's a big deal one being able to get through to one person that's been struggling so bad and them changing their life completely as a result is huge. Yeah. Huge thing. It all starts with one person. It really, really does. Yeah. And like, just knowing your worth, like I know my worth, my worth is the same as every other human being. And we fail to realize like what we have inside is so powerful. If we unlock it and if we unleash it, it's frightening because it leads you to places that you never think were possible, it leads you to vulnerable situations, but you got to let it fly. I've seen what it's like to die, almost die with a life that had no meaning. It was the coldest loneliest most excruciating thing in this world and my question to you is how could i not from that like we all have it we will all go out one day but believe there's one thing anyone takes from this is believe me when i say you want to live a life full of purpose full of action that's true to you you want to help other people and you want to do things that make you love yourself and can help other people love themselves and spread that forward because that's what life's about. And if you live a life that is unpurposeful, if you don't pursue the things you want to do, if you don't have the relationships that you want to maintain, you're going to wait 60, 70, 80, 90 years to realize that I wasted my whole fucking life living a life that was meaningless and what's it for what is it for so i there's no way in hell i could waste another day doing any anything else but 
chasing this goal of trying to spread love on a global level. So. No, I, I agree. I definitely agree. And there were, there were just the kind of to, to wrap this up a little bit of the discussion here, we kind of talked about this, um, just us, but we talked about kind of the role of, um, genetics and how, you know, we are a product of our parents and our parents are a product of their parents and how everything from way, way back gets passed on to us ultimately. So I kind of want to talk about like that and how that ties into, you know, your experience with your childhood trauma and how you understood that made you understand that it's not your fault and that it's not even necessarily your parents' fault and kind of tie that in together yeah so and i think this just goes for anyone who's trying to forgive another person too um whether you're in an addiction abuse relationship have a bad friendship like you need to understand that science is a very real thing in, on human behavior and it drives us this individual perception based off a narrative Usually it's full of shit. So we got to let that go and we have to be truthful to understanding things. So I understood myself so well because let's, like I said, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, let's take it back a bit and let's just look at the cold hard facts. And I speak, I speak on what I'm about to say from a strictly scientific basis. No, nothing malicious at all, especially when it comes towards my parents so let's look at the facts that um, my mom had a overweight mother who obviously was stressed because she was putting my mom up for adoption. So now all that cortisol is going down to where my mom is. Now my mom's separated from her biological mother. That is going to make you... I, you might know more than this, right? I believe it's dopamine, dopamine receptors we have that convert to oxytocin. Yeah, so the dopamine receptors are already fucked. They're deficient. They need more than the average thing to feed them. So now she's lonely. All of these things, she's already at a disadvantage as a child. Now she goes into her home, inheriting all of her mother's stress and unresolved trauma. So who knows? Maybe... Her mom definitely had unresolved trauma. Her grandmother probably had unresolved trauma to treat her mom like that. So she's probably coming from like six generations of trauma that have been unresolved. So now there's these anxieties, all of these things passed down to her. And then she goes through her life. She had a very loving mother, but it was a chaotic time growing up. So there's anxiety, cortisol, stress, anything you can think of running so freely in that body now with my father he had a alcoholic like my grandfather alcoholic grandfather who got discharged from the military for whatever reasons so my dad's probably coming from another three generations of trauma too so that gets passed down to him he gets thrown out for he gets put into foster care system when he's a young kid so trauma 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 more trauma on top of the trauma so now when me and my brother both come uh he had his own issues as well as a result of what we dealt with but now like i'm the product of like seven 
generations of just an absolute chaotic mess. And, you know, I understand that I'm not broken because of this. It's just, I now know how I operate as a human being. And I think the biggest mistake with genetics, at least, is, is we think uh, our family's genetics is what we're bound to. Absolutely not. Certain degrees, like there's some things that you, 20% chance, I believe it's 80-20, 20%, um, you're stuck with, like your facial features, all that, but like the illnesses are very preventable. So 20% of what we have is from the family and like your anxieties, they may be, they might be from like three generations down. Like if you're scared of something and you don't know why, that is not your anxiety you have. You have it from someone else. Now you're just stuck to deal with it and understand that. And that's, that's such an exciting, it's an exciting thing to know because that means, oh, wow, that's really not mine. It's not a real thing. Let's fix it. So that helps me understand how I work. And it was, it's, it is a very liberating thing. The people need to know that taking the attitude of I'm bound to this entails defeatist habits that cultivate exactly what your parents have. If you think, oh, my parents are overweight, um, my parents got cancer. If you, if you think you're bound to that, you're gonna cultivate a life that's gonna entail bad habits, nutrition-wise, health-wise. Um, if your mother had an abusive father, you're gonna say, that's what I'm bound to, you're gonna attract abusive men. Um, and in reality, like, you need to break the beliefs. Your family's beliefs cannot be your own. And you have more than not, you have more of, you have a better chance of really being your own individual person and ridding yourself of almost all those genetics if you just apply a certain degree of discipline and love and compassion towards yourself. No, that's, yeah, that's, that's very well said. And I think that that kind of example that you just gave based on your family is going to help a lot of people understand because we, you know, obviously we know there's a genetic aspect to certain things, but I don't think people really get the full picture, especially when it comes to, um, you know, mental illness a lot of people don't understand that so i think actually the the example described it absolutely perfectly and that yeah we are we are a product of other people but that's still not an excuse right and we can prevent mm -hmm. a lot of the things we don't have to be exactly like them because i have heard people be like wow well i'm bound to end up like this because my mom did this or whatever and it's like that's yeah. not the, that's not a prediction it's it's it's, it's yeah it's like it's really not um so we just need to kind of learn that i think learning the most important thing actually and i i learned this in school the most important thing you can do is learn your family history so important especially early on because then you can yes prevent, that's the biggest thing when dealing with prevention actually when dealing with prevention to anything the first thing you should do familiarize yourself with your family history because you will end up learning a lot of things like look at all this stuff that you know could potentially happen so then you start to look at ways to prevent all those things yeah. from potentially happening to you and then by preventing that in yourself you're stopping the cycle because then when you have kids that's going to help 
when it comes to your kids as well, if you're preventing yourself from being susceptible exactly. in a sense to these things. So it all comes down to basically us. We have a really big role in this, especially now that mental health is becoming a bigger thing. We are talking about it a lot more. A lot of the stigma, obviously there's still some stigma, but I would say it's starting to slowly diminish some, some aspects of it at least. So yeah. I, think, I think ultimately like it is, it really is up to us to kind of change things. And that's why I do these things. It's more of like, kind of awareness and all that sort of stuff. And when people come and share their stories, it's relatable to some people. So many people are struggling that like, they, they think they're the only ones be just because they don't know anyone that is struggling as well. And maybe they do know people that are struggling, but people aren't handling it well. So maybe it takes somebody who's done all the work for them to kind of realize like, oh, look at the things they did. Maybe I should try and see where that gets me. Yeah. And like, I believe what my parents told me, what I was bound to, and that set me up for, like, I love them so much, um, but there's a lot of things I took with me, and I incorporated that in my life, and I learned so quickly that it's a recipe, it's not true, it creates a very miserable life, and, you know, we all have the chance to unlock certain things, but, like, Based off your habits, they'll pull the trigger on it or they won't pull the trigger on it. And like, that's what you need to learn your family history, like you said. So like, you know, okay, what illnesses do I have? How should I moderate my nutrition, my exercise? Um, what should I be wary of? And it's not that you're broken. It's not that it sucks. That means you're taking advantage of it. And like, and if you want a family down the road, it's so important to know how you live your life is going to affect your kids and then their grandkids, especially your kids. That's why it's so important to start taking action within ourselves because we just think like these kids pop out and they're their own individual person and how we live their life before that doesn't affect it. That couldn't be any more true. Like kids pick up what their parents haven't dealt with. Like we swim around in a parent's unconscious very deep and how your kid develops health wise will be largely in part to how you live your life the nutrition you put in your body while you're pregnant how you're taking care of your mental health like all these things matter and that's why it's important to know our role and that's why like cooperation and contribution are the two most important things in human life Definitely. Um, so I guess to wrap this up, do you have any final words or advice to anyone out there that you could just kind of leave with them? Um, to final advice is love yourself. Um, you're not broken and you have something to offer to this world. I know thoughts might be telling them, might be telling you differently, but believe me when I say that whatever is going on in your head, it's really trying to tell you something beautiful. Have the courage, have the trust in yourself to love yourself and listen to them because they will be your best friends going forward. And your life situation is not your life prediction. Just because you're dealing with something right now does not mean you're bound to it. 
You have something to contribute to the world. You are beautiful. You have something authentic that people can see in yourself. You just got to love yourself and you got to be truthful about it. There's so many resources out there. Therapy, there's NA, even write, pick up a pen, track down your thoughts, go for walks every day. Just do little things. And most importantly, surround yourself with information to educate yourself. We have podcasts like this. We have libraries where you can go read. Educate yourself about other things in the world so you can start unraveling the beauty that you denied for so long. And most importantly, you're just worth it. You are worth every penny. Well, that was, that was very well said. That was better than anything I could have said, I feel like. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. You're so well-spoken. And um, honestly, it's going to help so many people just to hear your story, I think. It, I, know it, I know it's helped me to hear it. Just hearing everyone's different views, perspectives on everything has actually done a lot for me. So, I, you know, by the time I'm in school and everything, I'm going to take all of this including what I learned in school with me for sure. Um, yeah, oh, I can't. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, once again, thank you so much, Eric. Uh, this has been awesome. So, yeah, everybody, remember to just, it's not a bad thing to work on yourself. Therapy should not be seen as a negative. Any work that you put into yourself, honestly, will be so worth it in the long run. It's a lot of work, but it is so worth it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Make sure you comment on her podcast, review her podcast, share it, tell her all the wonderful things. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening. And I'll have some links in the description for all of you. I'll also be tagging Eric too. So if you want to follow him on social media, you will have definitely that option to do so. Okay. Bye everyone. <laughs>